Hey there, and welcome to the Page 2 podcast presented by Chase Oaks Church, where we go behind the headlines and beyond Sunday morning sermons to discuss in-depth issues uh, around faith, culture, and life. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you'll hear more about that at the end of this episode. But we're so glad that you're joining us for a really important topic. You know, today, it's hard to go too long without hearing a story about sexual misconduct, or really just misconduct in general, from men in positions of power. Not only has this issue dominated our culture recently, it's been divisive too, anywhere from politics to Supreme Court confirmations to office workplace boundaries. And really, the church isn't outside of this conversation either. In fact, unfortunately, uh, it's often found itself front and center, bringing up all sorts of issues around how women and men relate to one another in the body of Christ and women and leadership. So how do we even begin to grapple with all of that? How can the church be a place of hope, healing, and helpful dialogue around issues of Me Too, sexual misconduct, and women in the church. So this is the Page Two podcast where we're going to dive into this issue today. I'm Eric Torrance. And I'm Greg Holmes. And I can say, Eric, I'm, I'm sweating a little bit just hearing that <laughs> mouthful about, uh, about Me Too. And there is no way we can screw this up. Is oh my there, gosh. Can you, can you imagine? Yeah. So um, yeah, so as we thought about this, um, there's so many things that we could talk about, and there's so many examples within culture that are just heartbreaking. And hopefully we're becoming a culture where those stories are safer to tell and bring out in the open. But it's also easy to look at those extreme examples and say, well, that's not me. Uh, I'm not doing those things. I'm not contributing to that problem. But it's also, it seems to me, quite possible that within our workplaces, within our homes, within our churches, we might not be part of the solution either. I mean, there's, it seems like there's most likely lots of things that well-intended people just don't know. I mean, there's probably lots of things we all need to learn. So we thought it would be great to bring in our good friend, Cindy Park, to talk about issues like uh, Me Too and sexual misconduct and abuses of power. And to begin with, we're going to listen in on a conversation that Cindy had with a couple of her friends as they share some of their experiences and perspectives. And then Cindy's going to join us here in the studio as we unpack that conversation. And by the way, uh, the conversation you're about to hear gets pretty raw in spots, both in its subject matter and and its language. And we decided to keep it as is and not edit any of that out. But be forewarned, um, just in case you have small children within earshot. So with that, let's join Cindy Park. Hey, I am sitting here with my friends, Stephanie and Caroline. Hey. And it is easy to think with all this Me Too stuff that that happens just in Hollywood or that happens to women out there. And we know for the three of us that it's a really personal experience that we've dealt with our whole lives. And so let's just talk a little bit about what this has been like for us individually growing up and more recently even as adults. Yeah, I can speak first. I'm Caroline, everybody. Um, Basically, I feel like since I was a young girl, so much of how men spoke to me felt a little bit inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, I can remember just being a young girl and my brother's best friend growing up would it was almost like he was grooming me but he would always say things like Caroline you're my girlfriend Caroline um oh are you're growing so big Caroline like um you know he would almost insinuate like have you hit puberty yet mm-hmm. like he would say things like that to me and he was you know five six years older than me and it how always, old were you at the time I was like eight nine mm-hmm. and it always made me feel really uncomfortable because they would he would be wanting to have conversations that I wasn't ready for yeah um and so I feel like um I felt at the time really um uncomfortable really nervous scared I didn't really know how to handle those conversations and so when he would say those things to you what was your response oh, as an eight and nine year old <laughs> I would definitely withdraw for a second um, because I didn't know what to say, and then I would giggle. Mm -hmm. I think so much of my responses as a woman has been to giggle off awkwardly things that men have said to me. Mm -hmm. So I think I've had those conversations. Men have said inappropriate things to me over the years, and I've just giggled Mm -hmm. and felt really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't know how to handle them. So as I got older, I would say that – whenever a man would say something that felt like that, um, I would have the same response. I can remember this just, this just happened this year where I went and had knee surgery Mm -hmm. and I went into a doctor's office 
and um, I was really unsure of what to expect following my knee surgery. So I asked the doctor, I said, um, you know, okay, so, you know, how much pain should I be expecting? I'm in pain. What's normal? What's not? And he turned to me and I was in, I was, I brought my daughter. So I was, it was in front of my daughters and he said, hello, have you been born on this planet? Are you from, from planet earth? Mm-hmm. And he was so just in my face and I was taken aback and um, I said, yes. And he's like, you just had knee surgery. You're going to feel some pain. Like, mm. hello, duh. And I just remember, like, I felt immediately just taken back and, like, I wanted to cry. And um, I kind of nervously, like, giggled and just kind of mm-hmm. was like, I'm just, like, trying to ask questions, sir. Like, I'm sorry. And the first thing I felt when I left was shame. Yeah. And I felt like, would he have talked to me like that if I was a man? Mm-hmm. I really don't think so. I feel like he took liberties with the way that he spoke to me, and it was just, it didn't feel fair. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I feel like that's so often my common response, too, to giggle. Mm-hmm. And I think then that communicates to men, like, oh, what he's saying is fine. Like, she uh-huh. thinks it's funny. Like, it's okay. It's super lighthearted. And, but I totally get that. Going back to that eight-year-old girl who has been is being told these inappropriate yeah. things and feeling uncomfortable and feeling shame and oh it's so hard mm-hmm. um stephanie what's it been like for you well my experience um just in the work world mm. was um i a few years ago i was working for the government in a city job and um, i worked in the finance department and, which is funny because I'm terrible at math. <laughs> Why would you hire me to be in the finance department? <laughs> but um, anyway, I was in the finance department, and um, there was an elderly janitor, and he was – I think he was in his late 70s. Um, I don't think he was in his 80s yet. He was in his late 70s. And how old are you at the time? I was probably 25. Mm. And so um, – 24, 25. So, yeah, this was several years ago now. Um, and – we were good buddies, and he mm. would come over, and we would laugh, and he would come to my cube, and we he was just funny, and he was really funny. And then as he got to know me better, um, it started turning into sexual harassment, and mm. he was saying, like, super dirty things and super inappropriate things, and he would um, come up and whisper, like, like come up right behind me, like, whisper, and you're like, all this, like, totally degrading, embarrassing stuff. And mm. I started, like, kind of spiraling into, like, depression and shame from it because mm. it was just, like, I was – and, you know, you giggle. How would you – that's what I was going to say. How yeah. did you respond to You giggle because it's, like, oh, I'm so yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. And so um, it's just, like, I didn't know how to respond. And so um, I got embarrassed. I got sh- – and I felt in shame. And um, I told – Chip and I weren't married yet. Um, we were just engaged. And he was, like, what is going on? And so I finally, months, months, months into it – I was. I told him what was happening. I was like, I'm just in a funk, and I. I mean, all weekend, you know, I, it, this was Monday through Friday, and then all weekend I would just be in this funk, and I felt dirty, and it's like yeah. this old man talking to me like this, and I would see him bring his great granddaughters in, and I was thinking, does what does he say to them? And it just mm. made me so uncomfortable, and so um, my I was talking to my mom about it. And my mom was like, you have to report him. You have mm. to say mm. something to somebody. So I. You know, when you're embarrassed, you're just yeah. totally embarrassed. And so I, I went to the the woman in the office who I trusted, mm-hmm. and she was about she wasn't as quite as old as he was, but she was probably her late sixties. And um, I told her what happened, and I didn't go into it. I was just kind of like scratching the surface to see how totally. she would respond. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I kind of like told her some of the like more, all of it was inappropriate, but like the less it, it totally humiliating things that he said. And she looked at me, and she, in her southern accent, she goes, oh, honey, that's just men. Like, you just uh, got to get used to it, and mm. that's just, you know, that's just how they are, and they just, that's how they are. And it's, he's old, like, just let him, let him talk to you like that. How unvalidating. Mm. Yeah. So, it was, yeah. So, I never told anyone, and who knows if he's doing it. I know I see his truck there when I drive past that building and I always wonder like is he doing this to someone else because I didn't have the guts to speak up mm. and and because it's like oh well the girl's lying or oh she's probably lying or you know and so I just right. I, I was just scared someone's gonna say I was lying about it and but there's just... all those lies that I feel like women think about of like oh mm-hmm. like your opinion doesn't matter mm-hmm. they're just gonna say you're emotional yes. they're just gonna say you're a liar because mm-hmm. we've like dealt with those things our whole life Mm -hmm. people saying things that's just men that's Mm -hmm. how they are yeah Yeah. and I think it's such a interesting thing you were saying that you you guys were buddies you started out like you know in good rapport and then it slowly devolved into this thing um did you ever 
like doubt yourself for starting that for being yes. like friendly with him the giggling i was mm -hmm. like well i'm egging it on because i'm laughing mm. and i'm not you know Ugh. yeah i'm not being firm and like strong and yeah. saying no this is not okay well then i'm like well maybe i do just need to deal with it and just you know it's just some mm. comments it's just this and ugh. yeah i feel dirty right now talking about oh, it honestly girl. <laughs> yeah ugh. isn't so isn't that so interesting that we then excuse it away like ourselves like no 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 what i'm going through is not that bad it's fine mm -hmm. i remember i was walking up i was probably like 20 or 18 at the time and i was walking up these stairs and they were these slatted stairs and i was wearing a skirt and i looked down and there was a man standing like beneath the stairs looking up my skirt and i remember being so like shocked and horrified that i couldn't even say anything and i just ran up the stairs mm. and then later told that story to a guy and the guy was like oh yeah okay like he just like was no like, big deal. yeah, it's no big deal. So I was like, oh yeah, maybe it's not a big deal. Maybe it's not super uh, violating. Maybe I mm -hmm. shouldn't have been so shocked or horrified that this man was, you know, taking advantage of me in this way. Cause he was just looking at me. He didn't touch me. So maybe it's all right. Well, it's your fault because you were wearing a skirt. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was that's, my fault for wearing a skirt. That can be the mindset though. Sometimes right? like, well, you shouldn't be wearing something like that. And it's like, it's just a skirt and I'm walking up the stairs. Mm -hmm. It just happens sometimes, but yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think um, also one of the things that's difficult about this issue is not just a lot crazy lies that we're telling ourselves, but sometimes we hear it from other women. I remember when the whole Me Too thing was really coming to surface and somebody was telling me a conversation that other women, older women that I know, that I trust, I respect in the church, and they were talking about it and they were saying, they were talking about these women that were coming forward to uh, talk about these accusers and the women in the church said, well, some of these women just need to pipe down. So I what? said, don't, don't tell me who said that because yeah. I'll never be able to look at that woman <laughs> the same way. Yeah. But yeah, we get these messages, I think, in the church too, that we just have to pipe down and this is the way it is. And so maybe it's not going to be as explicit as some, you know, old man coming up and whispering in your ear, mm -hmm. but some, some of this bleeds over into the church too. So what has your experiences been like in the church? Well, I can go first this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back when I was in my first real um, kind of encounter with inappropriate touch was um, I was at youth group and it was in eighth grade and um, this boy who, you know, I knew he was, I was in eighth grade. I think he was younger than me. I think he was in seventh grade. And um, we were singing a worship song, and we were sitting down, and he just grabbed my – and it was dark because it was like, a, you know, Wednesday night church or whatever. And he grabbed my hand, and he made me feel his – Penis. Can I say penis? Yeah. Okay, yes. penis. And it was – you know, he was – you know, and he made me do some stuff. And I remember just feeling so – oh, my gosh. Why am I going to cry? Because it's terrible. Yeah. It's a violation. Mm. Totally. I always cry about <laughs> But, like, it was just – you know, you're singing these worship songs and you think this is a safe place. Yeah. And then. Yeah. Mm. Oh, girl, I'm so sorry. Okay, you go. No, I mean, <laughs> the, the things that I've experienced are more of just feeling. I felt I've felt more shame in the church as a woman in certain mm. situations. I remember I can remember being in youth group and kind of getting. um they would talk about certain sins, like certain sins are men's sins and they would mm. never be a woman's sin, especially mm -hmm. like sexual sins. Right. And I remember being in a, in a, in a small group and them saying, and some boys and th they struggle with masturbation, but girls, you know, they don't, they wouldn't struggle with that, you mm. know? Like, and so anybody in that room who was a woman or a girl who struggled with masturbation would feel immediate shame. So mm -hmm. there was, there was comments like that, that mm -hmm. I've experienced in church where it's just kind of. It, we're different mm -hmm. and I can remember when there was we had our first female pastor at an old church and people families left the church they didn't agree with it and so there's just always this um should women be in ministry should women not there's this should we have the same voice are you second to the man you know there's always this where people talk about it and they debate about it I can remember being at work and I worked at a bank and um, I was a teller and there was a, a customer who I knew really well and he was a Christian and he came up and he was talking about you know a new purchase that they were going to make him and his wife and she had an opinion and he said but her her opinion doesn't matter as much as mine because I'm the man mm -hmm. and so she's going to have to listen to me 
because I'm the head of the household and that's biblical. Mm. And like, it was just so forceful in the way that he said it to me. Um, and it was like, you know, and in the same situation, what's my reaction? Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to respond to that? Because if I'm saying, well, actually I feel, I feel differently or something, then I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not bi- like living biblically. I'm mm-hmm. not a good Christian or I giggle it off. And then mm-hmm. I feel a little bit, you know, you don't feel like you're representing women well yeah. when, yeah. We, when we giggle it off, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, you feel um, you know, we've talked about this. We feel like such strong women, mm-hmm. but when someone says something like a man to us to, to tear us down like that, we feel so weak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can, f- and that can translate into the church as well. Mm-hmm. And then if we, we do speak up, then somehow you're not that Proverbs 31 meek woman. Oh no. Mm-hmm. And you're not the woman that you're supposed to be. So. No, no, no. Proverbs I've been 31. called. Uh, yeah. I was at work once and I was a manager and I'm in charge of making the schedule and I was simply just say, like checking with all my employees like hey are you available this day are you available that th- that day and someone turns around a man and he says stop being such a bossy bitch Caroline mm-hmm. and I think about that and I was taken aback again mm-hmm. and just really felt like that's so unfair mm-hmm. um who has ever called a man bossy yeah like that is mm-hmm. specifically categorized for women yeah and so it's really interesting because I I say it sometimes in my like to my kids like sometimes I'll be like gosh you're being so bossy and my husband he'll look at me and he'll be like we don't use that word good for him yeah. <laughs> and I'm like you're right you're right we don't say bossy because he's like that's you're only saying it to girls like it's not why if a man is making a schedule if a man is telling you hey this is what needs to get done that's just you're doing your job yeah but then we're categorized as bossy Mm -hmm. so just yeah yeah so if a man's doing that it's like oh he's such a good leader he's showing Mm -hmm. such good management skills right Uh yeah if you do it somehow it's a bad characteristic yes yeah Mm -hmm. stephanie i know that you've had uh experiences in the church too um, different kind of experiences, but again, different treatment because probably because you're a woman. Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, I think you're referring to the name tag incident. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for Easter services, um, I was getting ready and I was. Um, this I, was know, recent, right? This was, re- this, was this Easter. Yeah. This past Easter. Um, so <laughs> it was recently a few months ago. And. Um, <laughs> Uh, I had my name tag on and I was, you know, busy getting everything ready for all these services and everything. And um, a man came up to the information desk and he just said, um, hey, and he he told me his story. And the story was um, that he was bringing his kids to the Easter service and he, um, but he wasn't allowed, for some reason, he had to have someone um, chaperoning kind of. He Mm -hmm. had to have another person from the court said that he needed to have someone sitting within earshot of him. And so I was like, okay, you know, I, I am going to help you. We're going to get you somebody mm-hmm. and I'm going to find you somebody. And so, um, we're going to do this. And then, so I, I got his information down on a, on a little card and I had, or I had him write it down and I said, okay, I'm going to stick this right here in my name tag. And I, I started to put it down and he immediately grabs my hand and he grabs my name tag and he goes, no, you're not going to remember that. Like, what? he's like, no, you're not going to remember that. Like, you st- insert you stupid woman here. Mm-hmm. And because we all know that voice. Mm-hmm. And because I was going to put it in bet- it, where it was kind of hidden. And so he puts it over my name. So you can't even read my name. You can just read his information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, there. You know, now you'll remember it. And I just, I remember kind of doing the karate chop action. Like, <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like, get off me, sir. <laughs> and then. <laughs> like, you blocked like, his hand? Yeah, like, well, yeah, I kind of like karate chopped him off me. But I'm first impressions, right? So I have to give a first impression. So I have to be professional. And so mm-hmm. I was just like, okay. I was like, actually, and I got this big old smile on my face. I was like, actually, I will remember. I'm not going to forget this interaction. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like <laughs> smiled at him and he was like, oh. And then I think he kind of realized and he kind of backed off. And we got him all set up and everything and I didn't forget. But, um, but yeah, and then I remember immediately thinking, like, if that was one of our male pastors, he wouldn't have grabbed him by the name tag and told him he's going to forget it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, totally. just like my first reaction was, well, if I was a dude, he wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, because it's like that power struggle. It's like immediately you feel like the weak woman. And yes. you feel like, oh, like it just kind of, all of a sudden, a guy's hand is on you and you know he's stronger than you. And it's yeah. just like all your strength just kind of goes away. Yeah. Yeah. And But good for you, though, for doing yeah. the karate chop. <laughs> more than I would have been able to do. You can't see Stephanie, but Stephanie keeps karate chopping her <laughs> hand into the sky. <laughs> But I think it all like kind of sums up like what she's talking about too is that we want to feel 
heard. We mm-hmm. want to feel like we don't want to be in those situations doubted and felt like you would never do this to a man. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to like we want to feel like you're treating us like you would treat a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what is so difficult is because we and we're just like a small representation of like women in general, but because women bring all these personal kind of experiences into the church or into our workplace, that when something small like that happens, he could have easily been like, well, what's the big deal? This is super important to me. So I'm just trying to convey this message to you. But we come in with so many experiences of being powerless, of feeling like, are we going to be, is something physical going to happen? Because I know I'm weaker than this other person Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. starting when we were eight or nine and having a guy that was like significantly older, say these inappropriate things put me in a place of powerlessness that all of that influences Mm -hmm. every interaction that we have. I remember sitting, uh, I was in a meeting just recently and I was with a man who didn't, he didn't know me and the meeting was starting. So it was not time to make small talk, Mm -hmm. but he just leaned over to me and he's like, so are you just a member here at church? Or he's trying to figure out like, why am I at the meeting? Yeah. But it was, again, the meeting had started, so it was not time to make small talk. He didn't lean over to any of the other men and ask them, but he was like, so I couldn't say like, hey, I have my PhD in Christian education, I have 25 years of ministry experience, I have a consulting background, like it was not the time to say that. So I just said the thing that I knew was the quickest, easiest response, the the one that would make sense to him. And I said, oh, I'm Peter Park's wife. And Peter Park is my husband, Hmm. he's the campus pastor. And so immediately the man nodded and was like, oh yeah. Yeah. And so he knew like, oh, that's why she's here, because she's Peter Park's wife, not anything in my education or experience. And so that's, super frustrating when we feel like it's not we don't have it in ourselves we don't we're not worthy just in ourselves it's tied to my relationship with a man or if a man gives blessing then oh that's that's why she's here how do you wish you would have said it like if you could have that interaction over again how would you have wanted to introduce yourself I don't know because that's like a really like ingrained in you. Yeah, that's a really great question. But I don't. I would have felt weird saying, "Oh, I have my PhD. I'm here yeah. because I have my PhD mm-hmm. and I have all this experience." Because that seems odd too. It's selling yourself. But there, yeah. but isn't that funny though? Because I feel like a man would be easy would sell himself easier, mm. um, more easily. Yeah. Like, but where you should have the confidence to be able to say, mm-hmm. like, you know what? Oh, actually, I'm here to contribute to this meeting <laughs> because, you know, of just my background. Like, I'm here to help, yeah. you know, whatever. But I think there's so much a part of us that, like, we're the helper, mm-hmm. yes. you know? And we're just there to support but not to help lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a, a tricky thing. Like, it's a thing that we're trying to balance too, right? Because we don't necessarily want it to be, hun- like, completely 50-50. No. Yeah. Like, I don't um, – our toilet was broken this past weekend and there was not a second where either Peter or I was thinking, Oh, I wonder what Cindy's going to do about that. Like, <laughs> I want, like it was hundred percent his responsibility, you know? So I don't, so is that a double standard? <laughs> yeah. I, is it? I don't know. So I think that's, that's a good question. Though. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a tricky thing though. Of roles. Yeah, yeah. I don't want it to be 50, 50. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to lift all the heavy things by myself, uh-huh. but I do want to feel like my voice is important, that I have mm-hmm. a seat at the table too. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the thing that we're trying to communicate is not that we want to be more than, mm-hmm. but we just want to be included too mm-hmm. also. Yeah. Um, what is there something that you feel like, oh, I wish men knew this? I mean, I, I think what we're talking about of just, I wish I, mm-hmm. I wish men knew yeah. what we go through. Yes. I wish, I don't know. I've worked in the secular working world my entire life. And the way that I've been spoken to from men is like Stephanie's experiences. It seems very extreme, but it seems so common. Mm-hmm. And I would wonder, and it's not from every man. There are men that right. don't speak to yeah, us right. that way. Let's mm-hmm. be clear. Um, but I would wonder if those men know that it's, how it makes us feel. I would wonder mm-hmm. if they know that it makes us feel degrading and that we don't, just because we don't say anything doesn't mean that we are agreeing with them and mm-hmm. affirming of what they're saying. And so, I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a great point to say, yeah, not all men speak to us this no, way. Right. And so, but it's those men that then make, will make the other kind of comments. Like the guy that asked me, you know, like, so are you just a member here at the church? He wasn't trying to be sexist or rude right. or anything. He was like a man that loves Jesus and, is also invited to the meeting because he has stuff to contribute. 
But he didn't realize that in asking me that question that it taps into so much yes. of my mm-hmm. history and my experiences. And so mm-hmm. stuff that could easily seem like a, to a man, like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. It's just that one thing. It's yeah. like, uh, but it does affect us in a different way than it does the man because we have this whole history. So maybe they need right. to be more aware of the history. That yes. when you're yes. approaching a woman and you're talking to them, there's, there's for sure going to be a history. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, is there anything that you feel like, oh, I wish men knew this? I think, (laughs) like shaking my head. Um, No, I think everything we touched on exactly what I just echo what Caroline says. I just wish that guys knew. Um, I think my thing is like the power. Like they don't, I don't, I don't know if men realize like when they grab us or when they even like take a step forward towards us or like when I'm running and a guy's behind me, I don't care if he's. 85 or if he's seven years old I feel so uncomfortable when I take my earphones out because mm. it's just like I know I'm powerless and I know you can overpower me in two seconds and God knows what could happen to me and so I think just like hmm. being mindful of like their strength and power and how and- yes and mm-hmm. how so many of us have been overpowered by men at some point at least at some point in our lives whether you know at whatever degree of that mm-hmm. um, we've been overpowered and it's just scary for us and just yeah. kind of to be mindful of that and like, don't touch us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're if you're in the working world, what does that mean? <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, um, I oh, men like to massage your back or put their hand on your shoulder. I, I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, if you're in a working world, don't take liberty with your body to mm-hmm. um, to touch us mm-hmm. because sometimes we can feel uncomfortable and we don't mm-hmm. know how to react to that, especially if you're a man, uh, um, a boss. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it can feel like that power struggle. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. Is that not okay to say? <laughs> no, no. Because I think it could easily be like, oh, well, I'm just trying to uh, convey like, you know, like a casual friendship or, you know, like make things like less formal. So let me like, you know, touch your back or whatever. But immediately for us, anytime. That, yes, uh-huh. it can trigger something. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. And I think going back to that ties in, um, Caroline, what you just said ties into what Stephanie was saying about we're always aware of are we going to be overpowered? Mm-hmm. I don't know if a man ever thinks about like, oh, let me take on my earbuds or no. let me yeah, be. Yeah, good o- question. Yeah. Or like, like that, I don't a get there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't get gas after a certain time of night because I'm just scared that someone's going to abduct me. Mm-hmm. And like Chip, my husband, is just like, oh, I never I never think about that. I'm like, well, yeah. you don't because you're 6'3 and yeah. super muscular. And, <laughs> right. you know, the, you're the one women are scared of. Yeah. So it's just. It's true. Yeah. There's That's so true. That's a good point. There's always that fear of like you're going to get raped or you're uh-huh. going to get attacked yeah. or you're going to something like when you're out at a certain time. Yeah. So and I'm sure guys don't have that fear for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for sitting with me and being so open about these experiences. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate you guys and your honesty. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you. you. <laughs> well, it's good to be back here now in studio with Cindy. And Cindy, thanks for letting us be, uh, for letting Greg and I be a fly on the on the wall with that, oh, yeah. with that conversation. And uh, and and a, a few different conversations as well. I know with staff and some of the other ones. And um, just personally, I have to say it was uh, it, it's kind of an emotional experience to listen in on those stories mm-hmm. because uh, for me, I think in with with all of the different stories that have kind of resonated culturally in the news with sexual misconduct and and problems between uh, men in positions of power. Um, those those have been impacting to listen to, but they have not been as personal for mm-hmm. me. And I think the thing that struck me as I was listening into your conversation um, is the fact that these are stories that are like really in my orbit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people that are friends of mine that mm-hmm. uh, are in organizations that I am a part of, and I, I think it it left me even actually feeling like there is. There are probably a ton of stories of other people that are very close to me mm. that I have maybe not taken the time or given the space to hear those stories. Yeah. And so I just want to thank you for letting us kind of jump in in a pretty personal way uh, mm. on those stories uh, that, that you shared with, with the women. Yeah, I think that's the thing that really surprised me. We talked earlier about 
um, how I was part of a leading a team of women to talk to the male staff. And I think that's the thing that surprised me the most coming out of that meeting was how many men, including my husband, came to me and said, I had no idea that's what it was like for women. So I was really shocked when Peter said that because he had been with me, like I had met with different pockets of women on staff and in like over the course of like weeks. And so I had been telling him about all of that. And so when he said, yeah, I never knew that's what it was like for women. I was like, how, how could you not know? You'd been part of these conversations. You've been <laughs> hearing like the blow by blow like this whole time. But he's just like, that's not something men hear. Um, that's something maybe that you guys talk about like at a women's conference. But to hear all of those different women in different stages of life, different ethnicities, different backgrounds, to all have a similar experience, he's like, that's not something that men get to be a part of. And so it was really eye-opening for him. And it was really eye-opening for us. Like, oh, wow, you guys really don't know that. This is really not what your life is like. Because I think for a lot of guys, I mean, I'll speak for me and Greg can speak for himself on that. But I think for a lot of guys, we, we often can explain it away, especially if we if we feel like our intentions are good. Yeah. Um, that we can explain it away that those are problems that are kind of out there, mm-hmm. um, not in my family, not mm-hmm. and. And 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 yet, I think that's that's what made this so uh, impactful for me. Is it's like, well, I, I really shouldn't, I can't explain that away, uh, mm. and I shouldn't. I mean, I need to be open to hearing about how, hey, those are those are right around me. Um, but I think a lot of us do tend to, ex- a lot of men, we do tend to explain that away and think that that's not really uh, right around us. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think it was when I heard the the conversation with the, the ladies on staff. It was surprising to me that you, Cindy, weren't surprised how common those stories were. Yeah. Like, cause oh, yeah. It was, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I'm kind of thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so, so common. And that was surprising to me. And then to hear you, I know, like, being surprised that I was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that was, it's like, oh, my gosh, are we, like, the our experience of the world or, a, a com, you know, a day in the workplace or whatever um, sometimes it's just experienced very, very differently, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that kind of struck me is that I, you know, I have a wife and I have three daughters. Mm-hmm. And if, if those stories are that common, mm-hmm. there are probably, and this just scares me to death. Like th- there's probably stories mm-hmm. in my household yeah. of things that my wife and daughters have experienced that I don't even know about. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that is, uh, that's, that's hard to think about. And just to add to your fear. That <laughs> oh, <I think> thank <laughs> you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> um, it's so common for us as women, I think, and probably the reason that you don't know is because it kind of becomes white noise to us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had told a story um, during that staff meeting about how one of the women got whistled at when she was putting gas in her car. Mm. And when like her husband like was able to see that, and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry it happened. And when she was telling the rest of the women, we were like, oh, yeah, well, like, what? That's not a big deal. That happens like all the time. And so unless something really out of the ordinary, really traumatic happens, we're just like, yeah, that's our life. So I'm not going to tell you every little thing that happens because it happens so frequently. Right. Yeah. So let me let me run a question by you and you can just um, correct me if I'm wrong or just comment on this. I think that sometimes there is a perception um, among men that in certain conversations or in certain around certain topics women are just too sensitive Mm. you know that Mm -hmm. it's like oh just lighten up I didn't mean anything by it Um, but one of the things that is sort of over the last over this last year as all these stories have come up has really been weighing on me is and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is perhaps maybe it's not so much that women are just too sensitive on this, but when you come into it, having that many experiences in your past Mm -hmm. or that much baggage or that, uh, or it it just becomes very, very sensitive. Um, not because it's just sort of something you're innately sensitive to, but because it's something, it's a wound there or Mm -hmm. it's a, it's an area of pain there, uh, which, which if I'm a Christian, um, and want to be loving and kind, sort of forces some things for me and mm-hmm. compassion and, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. maybe it's not just a sensitivity thing. It's a, it's something different. It's experiences. Yeah. I think that the thing that we hope for, uh, like for women that we hope for, for men in the church is just to have greater understanding. Um, we trust that the men that we interact with on a daily, daily basis are not malicious, are not trying to demean us, are not trying to exert power. 
um, you're just unknowingly saying some things that trigger something in us because we come in with a whole host of experiences of being uh, not having a voice or uh, being fearful of being physically overpowered or um, having to prove our worth. And so we hope that not that you would uh, be fearful to interact with us, but just that you would be more understanding, oh, this is what their experience has been like. This is mm -hmm. how their life has been, and it's different from my experience. Right, yeah. It's interesting, though, because um, uh, I, I think on the fear side of things, it, it seems like in our culture that that is a huge, um, from, uh, from the male perspective of not wanting to mess up, not wanting to be viewed as that person that is perpetuating a problem uh, and wanting to be open, and yet uh, in some ways I think a lot of men are feeling like I'm not sure how to joke anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure right. how to be comfortable with a colleague or even at the church, uh, mm -hmm. and they want to be. It's like they don't want to be standoffish. I mean, we're, we're called to – we, we, we want to work as a team. We want to be, you know, inclusive with people. And uh, I was reading this article on uh, on the New York Times that we're in in some big cities. They're actually having conversations. Uh, the The title of this article is "I'm a Straight Man Now What?" And mm. they're having these conversations where uh, a consultant will just kind of go around to different organizations and have venting sessions for men, where they can share kind of unpacked aggression and and uh, and and almost like. Uh, non-politically correct thoughts because they're just not sure mm. what they're supposed to say or how they're supposed to do it. Um, and, and so I was struck by that of how how would you, how is the path forward where you could hear stories like what we just heard and it could call us to almost retreat and almost be so censored and closed off to each other that we don't, we actually make the problem worse. Mm -hmm. um, what or make the, a different problem. Yeah, worse, make a you know, different problem as far problem. as equality or exactly you know, like right. those types of things. So how, how what would you speak? How would you how would you advise or talk to men about engaging this? Where it's like, hey, they have good intentions and, and they don't want to perpetuate a problem, but then for a lot of guys, then they just disengage. Then what what would you say uh, to that? Yeah, I would say like the thing that would be most helpful is for self awareness, and so for you all to think about. What are my biases? Because we all have them. Mm -hmm. um, there are some ways that I am super sexist. If I am going to have brain surgery, I'm not going to lie. There is something more comfortable to me about, I hope it's a male doctor. And I don't know why that is, mm -hmm. and I'm embarrassed to say that, and I wish I didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. But I'm being honest. And so there are things about me that are sexist. In my brokenness, there are things about me that are racist or um, classist. Is that a word? Um, sure. Sure. <laughs> Let's make it one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there, I have all these biases. And so for you to think about for yourself, what are your biases? Um, I was thinking, Greg, about your question earlier about, are, you know, are women too sensitive? Um, I'm not going to lie. When we had that meeting with the male staff, I was talking to the women that were that panel before. And I said, look, Tomorrow, when we go to that meeting, we are not going to cry. So if you have any tears, you better get them all out tonight because we're not going to cry tomorrow. Because when women cry, it, it communicates, yeah, we're being sensitive or we're being emotional. It's easy to dismiss that. Um, both of you have been on stage and preached or hosted. or, And if you either one of you cried, we would be like, oh, my gosh, he's so vulnerable. Mm, we would right. really affirm that and right. appreciate that. and. If either one of you cried, we would say that was your best message ever. <laughs> right, just, right. Just because of the fact that you cried. Um, but yeah, when women cry, it's a different kind of thing. And so for you to think about what are the things that make you view anybody else, another gender, another race, another socioeconomic status uh, person in a different way. When I was struck by what you even just said, uh, the the character that you showed with just even how you said, hey, there, there's probably ways that I'm sexist, there's mm -hmm. ways that I'm racist, there's ways that I'm classist, that is not a word <laughs> that we've right. defined here. Um, the the ease of which you said that, um, where you could you could tell for you, saying that is just, it's, a, it's an admission of your humanity. Mm. Um, and it's not like, because I think sometimes for us to, you know, I, I think guys in this conversation, and I'll, I'll just speak personally, mm. where we can almost feel attacked. Mm. And it's not an attack to just say, I'm an imperfect person, and there's ways that I'm going to mess up um, some interactions that I don't mean to. And it's not like I'm only at fault, but it's okay for us to admit, like, 
hey, there's room that we all have to grow. Yeah. And I think I think when you worded it that way, that was very uh, healing for me in mm. the sense where it, it, it drew me in mm. to say, hey, this isn't just a male problem. Mm-hmm. In fact, it, as I think you guys alluded to in your conversation, that um, there are women that, that have room to grow mm-hmm. uh, with this as well. It's it's just a, hey, can we be more human with each other and say that each of us probably has some stories in our past that 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 make it uh, that we filter through uh, our interactions today that whether someone has bad intentions or not, um, it can it will affect us differently. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One, one of the things that also stuck out to me as we've had some of these conversations, particularly the one that we had with the staff, is I had to. Uh, go back and think through some of my interactions or mm. go back and think through um, – and, and one of the things that actually stood out, and it was not like a, uh, a harassment thing or anything like that, but there's a, another pastor on staff, a woman on staff who I highly respect, mm. uh, and we've been on the same teams and on, on, on similar projects and um, work together, and I've had to – and she has voiced before mm. where sometimes she feels like she'll say something um, – and people kind of ignore it. And then someone else in the room, a man, might say the same thing but mm-hmm. in a different way. Mm. And everybody thinks it's a great idea. Yeah. And um, and I've, I, I've been guilty of that, mm. you know, because maybe she said it in a different way. Um, and then a guy said, hey, there's a great idea. You know, and you can see her sort of looking around the room saying, mm-hmm. "Was where have I been, you yeah. know, the last half hour or whatever. Um, and so it it kind of occurs to me that within the within this conversation there are multiple tracks. Mm-hmm. There's the kind of the the harassment and the degrading, you know, like those types of things. But also as a as a man who um, and it's particularly as one who wants to follow Christ and um, wants to see women be elevated. I want to see the the the, the pay gap eliminated. Mm-hmm. I want to see my daughters advance in their careers. Like all of those types of things. Um, that those that even though those might be separate issues, mm-hmm. I need to be pursuing both of those things at the same time. Yeah. That I can't just sort of pick one or the other and mm-hmm. say that because because of my fear and me too, I'm going to completely retreat. And now, if there's a you know if the, if there's a a lunch meeting that important stuff's going to happen, and I'm going to get together with some you know a couple other of the guys that are part of this team, but mm-hmm. we can't bring the woman because of you know or whatever you know mm-hmm. what I mean. That that is hurting her career. Yeah, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. so out of fear on the Me Too, I could actually go overboard and actually make a different problem worse. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. that just that's where it kind of gets a little bit complicated. Yeah, I think, and what you're saying about just in that uh, meeting example about. You know, a a woman will say something and it'll be like ignored. And then a man will say something and you hear it differently because it's a similar language that you guys are speaking. Right. And so I think we all gravitate towards people that are similar toward uh, similar to us. And so in that it's easy to just be with a bunch of guys and go from one meeting to lunch because it's right. It's so familiar. And so I think part of what we're hoping to do is as we talk about these things to help all of us to be more intentional. Like, oh, yeah, this is what's easiest and most comfortable to me. So I'm going to go a little bit out of my comfort zone and make sure that I'm inviting her to the lunch as well, where, you know, often business is talked about, but just outside of that meeting setting. And then then at the next meeting where you guys are all together, then she's two steps behind because she wasn't there at that lunch. Right. And so, yeah, just things like that. It's okay. So we do – and. I feel like I'm speaking for the women that I interact with on staff. We do feel like the men that we interact with here at church uh, regularly don't have bad intentions, are not intentionally being sexist or uh, malicious, but it's the unintentional things that happen that still affect us. Right. No, oh, I think yeah, that's great. I think that is really helpful because I think I, I, it's uh, one of the thoughts that struck me was that it's hard to see. This may sound too up in the clouds, but it, it, it's hard to see our own power, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like, you know, if I walk into a room and we all know this with different positions of leadership that we've held or different degrees that we have, it's like, if I walk into a room, I don't, I don't see myself the way that other people see me. And I've had to get used to that with different meetings that, right. that, okay, this person actually is seeing me as a pastor mm-hmm. and I don't see myself in this scenario as a pastor, but this person does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that changes the way that we're able to interact and the authenticity and the fear that that person even brings. Like I, 
I had multiple meetings today. I'm just walking into this next one. This person, maybe they've been dreading this meeting the entire day because they're meeting with a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what struck me from the conversation that you were having with the women is that for us guys, I don't give that enough credit. Right. Because I think of myself as a progressive guy. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, I try not to be sexist, uh, at least not intentionally. I, I try to listen and I try to, I try to do all those things. And yet I, I probably do need to have more of a realization that when I walk into certain conversations or if there is a, if there is a, a certain way that I speak or interrupt or ask a question, mm-hmm. that there's a chance that I am um, conveying power or even um, a silencing thing that I, I don't think I have, mm-hmm. but that I probably do have. Right. And, and I, I think it's what you were just sharing is it's hard to see that in ourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so hearing that from the women, it, it, it's just making me rethink some of the lenses of my interactions of saying, okay, I need to, I, I need to be sensitive to that and, and maybe just ask some questions yeah. of some trusted women in my life to say, Hey, is the way that I speak, the way I joke. That was the giggling part stood yeah, out to me. I was going to mention that. Because I, mm-hmm. I felt like a lot of times I'm like, and I think a lot of guys think this way too. You're like, man, I am just killing it. I'm being right. funny. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're not. Yeah, and you're creeping yeah, around. Yeah, you're creeping around. <laughs> yeah. right. That's interesting. Yeah, I think the important thing is to be able to have a relationship with someone where you can ask them, is this okay that I'm asking this? I have a, I'm Korean and I have a girlfriend who's uh, white. And so she'll ask me like, Hey, can I ask somebody who's not uh, Caucasian, like, where are you from? Is that okay? But she can ask me that, and I don't take any offense to it because we have a close relationship, because I know her heart, because she wants to understand better. Is this appropriate or not? And so that's the only way that we can uh, not have fear with one another and not uh, create a greater divide is to be able to ask those questions. Yeah. Well, that's a great uh, a great practical thing to for both the men and the women that are that are uh, listening. What else, just from your conversations, from our conversations here with with Eric and me, um, or the conversations with the women on staff, is, is you know if we we can assume like, as we've already said, we can assume I think a, a few things from our listeners here on this podcast is that uh, if they're listening to this, they they have pretty good intentions, mm-hmm. you know, and they want to do better and they want to be part of the solution. Sometimes we just don't know how, mm-hmm. um, and so and it's not just men that are listening uh, to this. Uh, so, what would you? What are maybe one or two things just out of those conversations that you would want people to know, or maybe some practical things to, so that we can kind of move the ball forward um, just a little bit in this. Yeah, I hope I would want men to understand that women come into every interaction and experience with a particular lens. And that's from all the things that have happened to us throughout our lives, outside of the workplace, just in going to the grocery store. And so, for example, when that I was talking to Stephanie and Caroline, I gave that example of the man that asked me like, oh, so what are you doing here at this meeting? And I gave that reference of Peter Park's wife. It's not just that one time that... Um, has made me react that way. I've been asked that question so many times, or I've been introduced that way so many times and seen like the nodding heads, oh, that's why she's right. here. That's the thing that validates her uh, and attending I've, this And meeting. I've never been introduced as Kelly Holmes's husband. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? And so it's I can say, well, you're, you're being too sensitive. It's like, well, wait a minute. I've never, I've never had that issue. Yeah. You know, I've never struggled with that. And I know? liked how you, when you guys were talking too, you, you kept asking about the ages mm-hmm. of where they were at because it was a reminder to me that of what you were just saying, that there's from early on, mm-hmm. um, uh, there are some stories and experiences that are building into that are behind the scenes or maybe directly related right. to the conversation I'm having with, with someone, particularly a, a female, if they've experienced what they experienced at such a young age that, I need to be aware or at least aware of the possibility that that's in that person's story. Right. Yeah. So the, and so the thing that I was really, I have been really encouraging the women um, as we were having these meetings, the thing that I really reinforced with, with my daughters is use your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, Caroline was giving that example about how her brother's friend was talking to her when she was like eight or nine. So yeah. from eight or nine, her response when she's uncomfortable or feeling uh, overpowered or harassed or whatever is to giggle and yeah. so now she's in her 30s, and that's still her response to giggle. And so that's just so ingrained in us that to practice using our voice is something that goes against hmm. what's familiar to us. It goes yeah. against our nature. And so the more that we can create an environment where 
we both can use our voice where women can say like, hey, th- when you did that thing that made me uncomfortable and also that men can ask like, hey, is this okay? Or why did you respond that way? Because this is what I was thinking, right. where we don't assign a negative intent, negative motive to the other person. The more we can both, everybody use their voice, the better relationships will be, the greater communication and that will foster. Yeah. And let me just throw out there, that is great. Um, and I've, I just think that's super, super helpful for both men and women, you know, yeah. like the more that we can communicate, the more that we can uh, assume the best. And But let me also, just at, as we close, I know we're, we're kind of, we, we sort of set this up that we were talking more about kind of the, uh, the the medium part of the bell curve, you yeah. know what I mean? Kind of the majority of experiences, but no doubt, um, unfortunately, there are people listening that um, their experiences have been uh, much more malicious yeah. than that. Um, and we haven't had time, we haven't gone into all of that, but certainly I would assume the uh, your use your voice mm-hmm. um, applies to that as well. Mm-hmm. And so do you have any kind of closing comments um for um, the the experiences that that women have had that um are just heartbreaking yeah i i can't even tell you how many conversations i have had how many women i know who have been sexually abused yeah um and so that happens in the home it happens outside of the home from a young age up until you know college post like just so many experiences and they often feel safe enough to tell me as a woman. Um, but usually it's something that I don't have any influence. I can't do anything about right. it. I, it's, you know, or it's like long gone history. And so I think the more that we continue to talk about those stories and continue to let people know like, hey, you're not alone in that experience. You're not alone in that pain. The more that we create that kind of authentic, honest community without judgment, without condemnation, without asking the questions, well, what were you wearing? Were you drinking? Right. Was it your fault? Uh, you know, all those things that have been coming out in the media when women come forward, the more that we can just be in a posture of, let me listen. Let me just hear your story. Let me be with, sit with you in your pain. The more that the experiences on the edges of the bell curve, uh, we can take the the pain and the shame and the guilt away from those. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say too, uh, just as I think of like my takeaway from this uh, conversation is just the, the detriment that the first reaction that I've had at times or that other men in this, uh, in our culture and our, in our, just in our lives have of defensiveness mm-hmm. uh, to this issue it is a detriment, mm-hmm. you know, because even if it feels like something is being too sensitive or it's like oh, this politically correct conversation that behind that, there are so many hearing that, that there are so many stories of, of abuse that, that go deeper and, mm-hmm. and darker than I probably um, ever know about mm-hmm. that. When I'm defensive, I, I am pushing that away and mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. And I, I'm just grateful for this chance to, to do that. So thank you, Cindy, for yes, this, thank you uh, so much for the openness and the authenticity. Cause it, it and thank uh, Caroline and Stephanie for us too. Cause I know that takes just a huge amount of courage to come out and be authentic about mm-hmm. your story. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So that concludes this episode of the Page 2 Podcast. As always, we would love to hear from you. You can leave a comment at our website, page2podcast.com. We are especially grateful to the Center for Church Renewal for letting us use their recording space. David Powers, our technical expert, and Reflect with a K for the great music. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.